0: Hi there, welcome to the inaugural episode of Alphabet Drippings. I'm Ben. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. And you might be wondering, what is Alphabet Drippings? Well, I think there's only one of us that can adequately explain what that is. So Alex, take it away.
1: Well, long ago, the whole of English and American literature drama and any other story, really, the way it was created at first was that it was all cooked in a large cast iron skillet. In fact, it was the first cast iron skillet. And uh, once it was ready to serve, it was given uh, to the masses, and to much fanfare, as I recall. But as you know, any time something is cooked in a vessel of that nature, why, you have things left over. And what was left was the, the fatty, greasy, congealed bits. Small things, you know, but not small enough to not be noticed. They're there, and they're slightly grotesque, but
0: still utterly delicious. And those are the alphabet drippings. And that's what we hope to deliver to you. While well, you know, guys, I have no attention span whatsoever, so we should probably get started with our first story. Alex, what's our first story today? Well, our first story today is called Peppy's Farm by Old Johnny Feller.
2: My pappy was a, well, he ran a farm. It was a beautiful farm. I can remember going there in the summer when I was a child and playing in the barn among the hay. feel sunshine on my back as I ran through the fields. But you know, the best thing about it, and I tell you right now, the best thing My grown-up on that farm was what they call the annual chicken jockey. Now you see, they'd take these chickens, and they'd strap them on the back of these greyhound dogs, just any chickens just laying around, just get them out of the... Those dogs would take off, and it was just the most amusing thing to hear those chickens just clucking their heads off of those terrified greyhounds just ran faster and faster. It never ended well. Those chickens pretty much just fell apart by about the 14th lap around that quarter mile. But that's okay. We pick up the pieces. We have our little chicken jockey, chicken fry. No big deal. But those dogs, that's a good thing we put those little leather hoodies on them. Otherwise, their necks would look like hamburger from the pecking at them long before those chickens start disintegrating. And they look real cute, too. Anyway, those greyhounds go up and have a nice long nap. In the master bedroom now you see that was the custom in those days you have your greyhounds sleep in the master bedroom after you have your chicken jockey and we wouldn't even hose them off either they'd have blood and chicken guts all over them and eggs sometimes the eggs are in there and it's just awful but they sleep in there because you know they deserve it and if it weren't for the freakish and really terrifying speed. If the Greyhound, it wouldn't have been the festival that it was. I mean, we didn't have Craigslist or X-Hamster to distract us or Kanye West, so we had to create our own terrifying reality. And every year we did it on Pappy's farm.
3: By this time, the mission's gone from bad to worse when all of a sudden he starts turning purple and frantically waving his arms around what's going on there I know and then he starts gasping Pythagoras theorem Pythagoras theorem yeah so I start searching for triangles to measure turns out I didn't factor in his speech impediment
1: oh that's right yeah
3: he was saying Pythagoras serum evidently if I gave him that he'd stop internally hemorrhaging so he died then oh yeah he died well hey it must be story time again Alex what do we have next well,
1: first we have a message from one of our sponsors. but after that, it's the NFL Draft Analyst Goes to the Grocery Store by Jan Kipper.
4: It's time for another crazy week of crazy savings at Daryl Motors. Hi, I'm Crazy Daryl, and this week we got brand new full-size trucks for $8,000 off. And if you buy one, I'll sacrifice a goat in front of your family for good luck. I'm crazy! got new car financial deals that'll make you want to put a dress on and tug one out in front of your grandma or how about a great deal on a pre-owned vehicle this week only if you buy a used car you get one of my daughters while supplies last i'm crazy and for a limited time if you pay the full sticker price on any car on our lot i'll murder my wife with a weed whacker You see, she tried to divorce me last week, so I put her in a box and told her she couldn't come out until she was ready to please me sexually with a belt sander, sauerkraut, and a crucifix. I'm fucking crazy! So come on down and let's make a deal. And if you drive by and there's a dead fish on the flagpole, you know it's Stinky Tuesday when every smelly used car is 40% off. And if you happen to test drive the car with the trunk full of dirty diapers and old yogurt, you get to take it home, free of charge. I'm fucking crazy as shit. So come on down to Daryl Motors, where the crazier the Daryl, the crazier the deal.
3: Sitting in front of hot lights and TV cameras is hungry work. When nonstop sports network NFL draft analyst Neil Swiffer returned home from a day's work to a barren refrigerator and pantry, he determined that it was time-consuming work that cut into other aspects of his life.
0: Huh. Looks like Team Swiffer's food roster has a lot of holes to fill.
3: He muttered while closing the pantry door.
0: This food trip is going to be needs-based.
3: How would he fill these needs? The quick and easy solution would be to run out and grab a quick bite at any of the city's fast food or dine-in restaurants. Neil shook his symmetrically quaffed head.
0: Now that's a short-term solution to a long-term problem and it'll damage my salary cap. I'm a draft and develop kind of guy. Take care of the future, it'll take care of you.
3: The internal matter settled. Neil prepared for his journey to the grocery store. He quickly noticed a problem. Time was in short supply.
0: Rats! I don't have all my scouting reports prepared for this trip. I'm gonna have to fill my draft board along the way.
3: Not even bothering to change out of his three-piece suit, Neil dashed out the door and hopped into his car. He drove to the supermarket in record time. As Neil walked through the automatic doors, he had a basic plan of
0: attack. See, my biggest needs are in produce. Meats dairy, but I have to trust my board and pick based on BAF. Best available foodstuff. I'm closest to the bread and grains aisle, so I should start there.
3: Pushing his cart down the aisle and ignoring the quizzical stares of his fellow shoppers, Neil made sure to do some thorough analysis before adding anything to his cart.
0: Mmm, bread. Could be boomer bust if I don't eat it fast enough. And it gets moldy. Could be a developmental project though. If you freeze it, it lasts longer. Then it loses a lot of its flavor. Might have to come back and pick it in the later round. Now pasta, there's a can't-miss prospect. That'll be my first pick. And if brown rice is still available when I pick next, that'll be number two.
3: On throughout the store Neil went, gathering almond milk in the dairy section. Ascending player. But avoiding the bean sprouts in the produce section. Character risk. They
0: still have that E. coli issue following them around
3: then returning to the bread aisle to make his final selection.
0: Time to get my late round value pick.
3: It was there Neil ran into his nemesis, Todd Peshaw.
0: Well, if it isn't Neil Swiffer, my contrary colleague, fancy running into you here. So, Peshaw, your pathetic attempts to ride on my coattails extend to grocery shopping, no matter how hard you try. You are not going to appear to the public as anything other than the spindly, lipless wiener that you already are.
1: Whatever helmet hair. I'm a successful, independent man with a keen eye for talent. I did notice that you happened to pick up the last remaining avocados. Would you care to orchestrate a draft day trade?
0: Time to consult the trade value chart. It
1: appears that the
3: negotiations began in value value earnest in the middle of the aisle. For some 40, time, Neil and Todd and prevented stand. fellow hold on, hold on, shoppers from passing through, there, until right, one bold soul politely asked,
4: Excuse me, can
0: we get through?
3: Neil and Todd were awestruck. The seconds of silence that passed seemed like an eternity for these two. Then they responded to the woman's query with the most comfortable reaction they could muster. Analysis. Now those
0: are some great measurables. Mm-hmm, a bubble butt. That's my wife you're talking about!
3: So enraptured by the interloper, Neil and Todd completely neglected to notice her husband a few steps behind. Upon hearing their comments, he set upon them like a wild honey badger.
0: Huh! What a hand punch!
1: I know, he's a mauler!
3: Eventually, the husband tired of pummeling them and left Neil and Todd in a fetal heap on the aisle floor. Once they were certain he wasn't coming back, Neil and Todd staggered to their feet, gathered their respective carts, and checked out. They ran into one another once more at the exit.
0: Well, I guess I'll see you around the office, Pasha.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. Hey, are those avocados still on the trading block?
0: They can be had. But I think upon seeing the lack of depth at the position, I'd bump these avocados to a top five grade.
1: Top five grade? Outrageous. I'm not making that of.
0: Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah, man, that trail is the bee's knees. love walking the dogs there because no one's around. That's cool. I should take mine there, too. Except you do have to watch out for the baby salesman. What? Baby salesman? Yeah, he's really pushy. Sometimes you luck out and just have to maneuver around his cart of babies that he sometimes sets up in the middle of the trail.
3: I bet that smells awful.
0: Oh, it does. But that's better than the alternative. Which is? He comes running out of the forest wielding babies like nunchucks and jumps into his long ass sales pitch. How, how? How long? What does he talk about? I don't know, I tune out early on. He usually opens touting the upside of selling locally sourced babies. And uh-uh. I... Oh, it must be story time again. Hey, Matt, what uh, story do we have on tap? Right now we've got The Sound in the Shadows
2: by J.B. Hovercraft.
1: It was April of 1924, as I recall, when my esteemed colleague Ronston St. Jimothy asked me to visit his family's great house on Mulberry Hill, above Cambridge, to retrieve a favorite tome of his. Yes, it seems that this particular tome was of considerable value to him in his youth, when his governess used to read him the tales of Mummery the Grubby Turnip Snatcher. It seems that Ronston now had some children of his own, although I quite forget how he managed to acquire them. You see, in those days children could be had for a fair price at estate sales and other events of that nature. Anyway, it was around that time that he requested I go and find this tome for him, so that he could read the tales he so loved as a boy to these new wards of his. Now, St. Jimothy Estate was a grand mansion built atop the hill by his great-grandfather, Strumpson, who of course came over on the boat from England a hundred years before. As I approached the great house on that April afternoon, I thought on what it might have been like growing up in a place like this. you're likely to have your oatmeal served in a porcelain top hat every morning, and your soap warmed to a perfect drinking temperature every night. Ah, the life of the wealthy. But there I've gone and strayed from the story, haven't I? Yes. Well, you see, I entered the house and found that it was quite a bit darker and less maintained than I remembered. The tapestry has clearly not been flogged in at least a month, and old issues of the lady in pants were stacked four feet high all around the great hall. As I knew the library was on the third floor and that the windows had all been shuttered for some time, I made sure to procure a candlestick and light it at my earliest chance. With candlestick in hand, I proceeded up the grand staircase past all the family bedrooms on the second floor. I can still recall Ronston and I playing Let's Hide the Badger in Nanny's Bedchamber when we were small boys. You see, it was one of our favorite games. It did make a frightful noise, though. In fact, it was as I recalled the ravenous chattering of the badger when I first heard it. That sound that eerie, high-pitched yowl that a toddler might make when his toy blunderbuss is snatched away from him. (coughs) Knowing that for certain that any child left alone in this house should be attended to at once, I decided to find the babe, then recover the tome, and leave. It was getting quite late, after all, and my candle was already halfway gone. I followed the sound into the children's playroom, but soon discovered that there was no child at all. Where, then, was the source of this cacophony? That is when I saw them. Two tiny, yellow eyes peered out of the shadows behind the rocking chair, and were fixed directly on me. Small, intense eyes with a slit down the middle, very much like a snake. The creature was utterly still, as was I, but I knew immediately that I was in grave danger. There was no child. I had been lured into the darkness by this sinister terror, for who knows what terrible purpose. Clearly, the sound of a child in danger is a tactic used by the creature to lure in its prey gathering what was left of my courage, I turned from the playroom and immediately ran back to the staircase. I had to reach the third floor to retrieve Ronston's beloved tome before I could escape. Upon reaching the staircase, I paused to catch my breath and see if the creature had given chase. I did not have to look down, however, to discover that the beast's tiny feet had carried it right behind me without a sound. I felt the slightest caress of something small against the cuff of my trousers. It swished this way and that across my foreleg, the creature's swaying tentacle as if it were toying with me. I sprinted up the stairs with all speed and located the library. Noticing that my candle was almost spent, I knew that time was of the essence. Just as I was about to return to the stairs, I heard the creature again and saw those sinister eyes blocking the doorway. But this sound was different. This was nothing like the yowling cry for help by which I was so easily duped just minutes before. This was a low, guttural vibration, a fast pounding of flesh against flesh. This throbbing, pulsating sound that seemed to follow the creature's breathing led me to conclude that the creature must have gills. What horror is this? What slimy, murky creature has dragged itself out of the Charles River and made its nest in this great house? I began to wonder if I had disturbed its nest and that its eggs were due to hatch at any moment. As my sanity was being frayed to its very inner fibers, I gathered the tome and the rest of my courage and sprinted past the creature, down the stairs and through the front door. I had escaped with my life, but I still wonder to this day how many other poor souls were lured into that hellish trap and did not return to free air as I did. How many skeletons, picked clean by sharp, slimy teeth, lay in that foul creature's lair? I will never find out, for no power of heaven or earth could ever bid me return to that cursed place. The dank shadows where it lies and waits, the thief of my sanity and the author of my nightmares. Oh, that sound. The sound that curls my lip and sends my skin into a quivering frenzy. Oh, how I can hear it, children, how it haunts me. I hear it, you see. I hear it in the walls of my sleeping chamber most nights. It follows me, you see. It, It surrounds me with its sinister throbbing. The rhythmic terror from which I shall never escape. There. It's here now, don't you hear it? It's in this very room as I speak. Wait, 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 I, I think it's gone now, yes, it's gone now.
0: <laughs> ha, boy howdy, I sure enjoy story time, hope you fellas did too. I believe so. I have a rash. And I hope all of you out there enjoyed listening. Our goal is to deliver you a monthly dose of weird. And you know, if you'd like to contribute with a weird tale of your own, please feel free to email us at email at alphabetdrippings.com. Now, we got to warn you that we're not going to promise that we'll record your tale right away, or at all. But don't let that stop you from creating weird and fun stuff. Until next time, you've been listening to Alphabet Drippings.
3: Catchy sign-off phrase.